and welcome to the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, Paul Samuda and Amanda Woodward. With 45 years of combined experience in the world of property buying, selling, investing and developing, they are here to share with you their knowledge in the Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle-under-Lyme and Crew property market. Let's get started. And welcome to another episode of the Essential Property Podcast with your hosts, me, Amanda Woodward. I'm joined with my co-host, Paul Samuda. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about preparing for recession. And I've had a few conversations with Paul in the last few days and weeks. And equally, he's been speaking with some of his colleagues and mentees about seeing this movie before. I want to ask Paul, what movie are we talking about? How can we prepare for the inevitable in terms of the market changing and moving towards recession. So fill us in on this movie. You know, if you speak to some economists, they'll spend half an hour or an hour with you or in the whole day debating on whether the country is going into a recession. If you're a business person, which anybody that's in property, I hope that they see themselves as business people, would say, let's work on the basis we're already in the recession. Let's be prudent and work on that basis. And how are we going to weather this storm, cope with the threats that are looming, but also, you know, where the threats are always opportunities. And we're sort of halfway through the year, moving into the end of Q2, the beginning of Q3. So for us, we're going to plan for the next quarter. And the big subject is what next? What are we going to do? How do we prepare for one, our landlords, to ourselves, three, the tenants, not necessarily in those orders, but how are we going to ensure that the business continues on an even footing with the potential headwinds? What are those headwinds? We know interest rates, they just went up again by a quarter percent. So those landlords with properties in Stoke and crew who haven't fixed should certainly be considering doing a relatively long-term fixed rate, certainly no less than three years, I would imagine. Inflation, the Bank of England or Rishi, someone from that side said that they expect sometime during the year, probably the next month or two, inflation is going to be 11%. And energy prices are going through the roof with another pending increase in October. So it's, it's, it's your perfect storm. I haven't even mentioned the Ukraine war and the effect that has on prices and food and everything linked to logistics of moving product. So as a landlord, we want to think we want our tenants to look after our properties and for the tenant to pay on time, you know, on, on a consistent basis. So I don't think there's much of an issue, all things being equal with renters not looking after the properties. So it's all about ensuring tenants continue to pay. Why would they not pay? Really good question. They should pay. They'll continue to pay as long as they have good employment. Why might they not pay? They might not pay because costs are going up. Now, we specialize in HMOs and service accommodation, as everybody knows. Yes, we do have some buy-to-lets and some of our listeners are heavily on the buy-to-let side. One of the reasons why we like HMOs is that we spread the risk so that if you have a five, six, seven, eight, ten bed HMO, if one person has issues, it doesn't 
immediately impact the profitability of that particular unit. If you have a single let and one per, and a family member, member or a your professional tenant loses their job, they may or may not have the savings to continue to pay the rent on time. So that's the basic sort of risk reward analysis there. So I think going forward, sort of within the HMO realm, you know, we need in a six bed HMO, two or three people to lose a job for it to be a problem, which can happen if they work at the same place. In crew, very famous for Bentley workers. If production stops or slows down tremendously, it's not inconceivable that two or three people within the same household could be put on short time or be made redundant and say, you know, give us a call this time next year. So without waffling too much, what am I thinking? I'm thinking, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. I'm thinking, as any landlord should do, we should be battening down the hatches in terms of fixing our interest rates, our mortgage rates. We should be ensuring that we're communicating with our tenants going forward. We should be reducing our costs where we can. We want to give a good service to the people in house. We want to make sure that the house is at a good standard, both in cooperation with the people that live in there and our commitments as, as landlords. But at the same time, you know, maybe ideas we have to do a major renovation for the sake of it, maybe we want to put that on the back burner a little bit. We should be looking at our pricing. Inflation affects everybody, all scales of the demographic and economic spectrum. So, you know, a price of loaf of bread or milk goes up for everybody. So we should be reflecting our prices based on one, the market, and two, what the inflation is. And I, I can never remember what you're actually allowed to increase your rental prices up by, but it is linked to inflation. So inflation is tagged at 9% at the moment in, in the UK. So in theory, you should be putting your prices up by 9%. Now, I hear plenty of landlords saying that one tenant can't afford it. That may well be the case. But how do you know? Yeah. The second thing is, well, They've been there for three or four years. They've been good payers. Why would I want to upset that? Absolutely your choice. We review our prices on an ongoing basis just as a matter of course. I think it's good business practice. But when everything from maintenance to housekeeping, how many times our housekeepers put up their rates in the last 12 months? Probably twice already. So our costs are going up. So we should seek to increase those relatively in line with our costs, in line with inflation. I mean, I remember one particular tenant, which was your archetypal good tenant be with us for three years, living in one of our rooms, maybe four years in actual fact. And he had a price increase. And he said, look, I was expecting it. So no problem, go ahead. So I think if you don't ask, you don't get. So I think we should be reviewing our prices and then sort of taking it from there. But I mean, I think I've probably said enough as from an intro standpoint, you must stop me from babbling on <laughs> what I do, Amanda. No, I mean, that's given us a, a, an insight into the movie, so to speak. And I'll ask you a few questions shortly in terms of, you know, history repeats itself. And, you know, every perhaps 10 to 30 years, history certainly repeats itself. So we'll arc back a little bit to perhaps the 70s and 80s or mainly the 70s really shortly. Not a that bit, old. A little bit before my time, might I add. 
that so we can look at you know what happened then and that gives an indication of what's happening in the future but just to touch on pricing we went through in March and April and put up I would say easily 50% of the rents 50% of the tenants had a rental increase some didn't because every time a tenant leaves we obviously review the pricing at that point for that particular room so anyone that had moved in obviously recently were paying our new increased prices anyway as we were planning ahead for the energy increase so that drove the initial rental increase some rooms went from 375 to 425 some rent rooms went from 450 to 490 and even whilst I was sending out those emails I was you know a little bit concerned and I'd probably say everybody I can't even remember one off the top of my head that it was an issue for they just said okay no problem and obviously we justified why and explained why and they just said absolutely you know like you said, expecting it and have continued to stay in the property because if every landlord's facing the same thing, even if they're going to market to find a new room, I'd like to think that everybody's in the same sort of situation and is having to increase them a little bit. So we've done that to protect ourselves. We've done that to protect our landlords and start to you know gear up for the threats that come along with sort of the market that we're in at the moment. We have got a lot of you know threats along the way. Equally, we have got some opportunities which we'll touch on in a while so Paul you said you've seen this movie before I think there actually is a movie called The Perfect Storm but I haven't seen it so I don't really know what it's about it might have been a landlord though (laughs) (laughs) it may have been a landlord on that boat but just let's reflect a little bit to what we're seeing not just in the world of business but just people's lives on the ground and the fact that this is just a bit of a repeat. And then after that, we'll start to talk about the opportunities as a business and how we're planning to take advantage of those as well. I think in the press, people talk about this being reminiscent of the 70s. In the 70s, from what I remember, there was a minor strike that almost brought down the Tory government. Edward Heath went head to head with Arthur Scargill and Lust. And Margaret Thatcher came in and did Mr. Scargill in, pretty much. So it was it was a funny time. They introduced council tax or poll tax at the time. It was a lot of stuff going on. But the comparisons to now was there was a bit of an oil crisis. So that's similar to the spike in oil now, spike in power gas that we're experiencing now. And many people, I think you yourself, have never experienced a time where things seem to have got out of control. So that's one thing. The second thing is just around, I was reading an article today, we were talking about the summer of discontent. And that's a play on, again, the 70s, which had the winter of discontent, which basically the unions said, down tools, we're not working anymore. Unions were very, very powerful back in the the 70s. Again, they went head to head with Margaret Thatcher and lost. They've never been the same since, which is not a good thing necessarily, because workers' rights and all that. But basically, the long and short of it is that we're seeing threat of strikes, strikes planned in not a small way. The stuff that we're seeing at airports is a combination of threat of strikes, not enough workers, post-pandemic. I can probably throw a little bit of Brexit in there, but that's a story for another day. So there's lots of agitation in the job market. People aren't happy. The unions who represent the rights of workers, may, if I'm being cynical, see this as an opportunity to flex their muscle. I think we have a government who is, you know, a little bit all over the shop, for want of a better word. 
which means that they'll do one one thing with their left hand, do something else with their right hand, and it doesn't quite make sense, and it has a knock-on effect with that. So I think business overall is anxious because of the job market, because of energy prices. To our point in Stoke, I read an article for a a couple that had a couple of drinking establishments, I think a pub and a wine bar, and ploughed in a couple of hundred thousand pounds, and both have had to be closed because of the spike in energy prices recently, and it's just not profitable. And this was on the back of the pandemic. And that's a thing that we don't forget, but it's easy not to take into account. We've already gone through quite a rough period as producers or service providers or manufacturers. And to come into this situation is quite a challenge. So so there's two things from a landlord standpoint that's relevant to, to us in Stoke Crew and, and Newcastle is one, ensuring that we try our best to get good tenants in the property. And that comes down to good management referencing and background checks and making sure the affordability is there. And I think the second thing is normally human reaction when things go get a bit tough, people capitulate and panic and hunker down. And that could mean we're not going to buy that property we thought we were going to buy. We're not going to trade up. We're going to say we are. We'll put an extension in the back in a couple of years. So I think the property might get a little bit quiet. Which it could do with, let's be honest. Yeah, totally. totally. It, it has become a bit frothy. And if you, if you look at, I was, I was listening to somebody the other day, and they were saying that the most risky assets are the ones that tumble first. You know, one could interpret that as crypto for those who are in crypto. The next risky assets are equities, stocks and shares. They're the next to tumble. And we've seen that in the stock market, both here and overseas. And the probably the third leg is probably the less liquid asset, which is property. So there's still strong demand. But I think when people aren't too sure, they may just press the pause button. And that might just take the froth off some of the prices that people have been paying for pretty basic properties that just aren't worth it, still need a lot of work. So taking a breather is not a bad thing. But from an investment standpoint, from our landlords, and we got involved in a number of sales recently where landlords have bought and sold, and that's always happening regardless. So I think there are opportunities for buyers coming in to get, I don't think they're going to get a cracking deal, but I think they're going to get a better deal than probably they would have six months ago, possibly for the average asset. And I think there are assets which are just good assets and you just pay the going rate because they're good assets and they'll grow going forward. But I think there are assets which are just mediocre, which were possibly overpriced. And I think they'll probably get a better deal on some of that type of assets going forward. The other thing that happens and has happened historically is, again, when the sale of property, residential property in particular, slows a little bit, people are a little bit nervous about buying. Nobody wants to buy the pop top of the market, whether they're a landlord, first-time buyer, second mover. So it slows down and people say, you know what, let's rent. Let's rent for six months. Let's rent for 12 months. Let's rent for a couple of years. Let's just see what happens. And then we'll decide what we do thereafter. So they'll just wait and see. They'll sit on the fence. So with that, there are opportunities there because there are a bunch of people said, well, we're selling. We're ready to sell. I thought you were going to buy our house. Mr. Estate Agent, I thought it was a strong market. Why isn't our house selling? Selling because nobody's buying at the moment. They just press the pause button. And I think this is where our listeners 
who are investors and who are have a bit of cash or access to cash can come in and save the day for that particular vendor. But you know that particular vendor might have to take a bit of a haircut on, on the price. And you know it's not being horrible; it's not taking advantage. I think that's just the way of business. So that's what I would say. I think that's you know sort of the first couple of scenes of the movie. <laughs> We were in the car just a couple of days ago and there was an interview on Bloomberg and there was a gentleman posed a question to a large developer, and a property investor. And he said, Do you, are you sure you want to be in this real estate space, property investment space, with interest rates looking the way that they are? Which I thought was quite an interesting conversation because... Of course, we have to be mindful of interest rates. However, that would certainly not dictate to me in any shape or form whether or not I'm going to invest in property. And I think it's about you know making smart decisions regardless of the environment. So I have an absolute you know strong belief in terms of property and in any market will be very much in the market, just deciding what it is that we're doing. But the response from the developer was quite interesting because he said yes I have a complete confidence in property and I will continue to invest and for those property buyers out there who are concerned about taking on a mortgage and concerned about the interest rates don't worry because they'll be renting from me and I thought that was quite good in terms of the approach of you can either be in the market or not and what was one thing might be perceived to be your enemy, actually, it can also be your best friend, depending on how you know involved you are in the space. And I thought that was quite an interesting take. I, I, I think you're right. I think it, it's basically echoing the sentiment of where there are threats, there are always opportunities. Yeah. But also, I think what underpins that is if you approach it that property is a long-term investment and it's not based on the headlines of a news channel or a newspaper, Historically, our property has always done very well. We live in an island. There's no reason for it not to do well going forward. And I say to people that I coach or mentor, I said, you know, when you look at a deal over a 12-month period, it might be a little bit, not too sure about that one, but if you stretch it out over five or 10 years and ask yourself the question, if this is what the rent could grow to, if this is what the value of the property could grow to 10 years from now. And if you look back to where you are now, would it have been a good decision or a bad decision to walk away from that property? Yeah. And nearly every time, based on the statistics that we use for forecasting, nearly every time the answer is absolutely we will buy. So, you know, that particular investor is, is, is spot on. Now, does it mean you just go on and buy merrily, not bothering about what's happening? No. You know, as you, as you said, Amanda, smart decisions mm -hmm. in good times or bad times is essential. And we can tell at the moment with, with fixing in a number of mortgages, some we're doing product changes, but some we're actually changing lenders from some lenders that were a little bit too pricey. And we're getting the properties revalued. And, you know, some have quite comfortably doubled in value in the last 10 years. Some have doubled in value in probably the last six or seven years. So we always understand that and we're in the space for a long time. The rents have increased you know, dramatically over that period. The mortgage has you know, stayed the same or decreased. The equities increased dramatically. And we were only saying yesterday as well, if you were to analyse a property purely based on its cash flow, that gives you one element of its return. 
But if you were to value the property or value the investment based on the cash flow it generates and the equity that it can deliver over time as well, then that asset becomes a far more interesting buy. And you do obviously have a little, a little bit more flexibility. Okay, so moving on to the opportunities that we, that we think are coming in the next, I don't know, couple of months, uh, moving through to like a year or so. We were in the call the other day where we have a lot of our conversations and we were talking about what do we think is going to happen and how are we going to prepare for that? So in preparation, a potential sort of recession, we would most certainly go into buying mode as we always have. When we started off investing in 2010-ish, we bought a lot of properties right at the bottom of the market. And we were you know, on a buying spree back then. And I think we do need to prepare for a bit of a buying spree in the next couple of years. And we'll certainly be speaking to our investors and joint venture partners to say that I think it's you know, a very, very good time to start buying again, because we have been fairly quiet over the last probably two years because we refused to buy you know in that frothy market apart from potentially one which we hope to talk about in future you know if you're if you're a landlord in a long time landlord you're always looking for buying opportunities and you don't want to buy at the top of the market even though you're a long-term investor you nobody likes to buy at the top of the market so they'll certainly buy their time there's that famous saying that you know when things really get bad when the blood is running thick in the streets that's the best time to buy I don't think that would be the case with property. I would certainly hope not. I don't think we're going to get a property crash in inverted commas. You know, if interest rate went from current base rate is what, 1.25% or 1.75%. If it went back up to 5%, I think that might send a bit of a tremor in the market because everybody's been used to base rates at literally zero or half a percent. But notwithstanding that, I think, I think going forward, you'd want to look at opportunities in sectors where they'll have real challenges because of energy prices. So that's got to be, you know, some manufacturing sectors, maybe pubs. I was listening to something on the radio the day at school. It said that their energy costs had more than doubled. And I'm not saying this is not schools don't go out of business, but there may be surplus buildings. Yeah. which they said, you know what, it's not, it's not worth keeping that. The school, could, the school were actually running into financial difficulties because they couldn't print enough paper because the cost of paper had yeah. increased so dramatically yeah. they were having to conserve printing for, for the students. Yeah, and I, I think there's going to be a whole bunch of opportunities. So I think investors should certainly keep their powder dry and have their money ready to be put to work. And the flip side is that we'll get... Interest rates are going up. And let's just say by the end of the year, you get 2% on your cash balance. And you think, how fantastic is that? I used to get 0.01% on my cash balance. And now I get 2%. Yeah, that's a, my maths are not good at the moment, but let's say that's a 20-fold increase. However, inflation is running out, according to the Chancellor or the Government of the Bank of England, it's going to be running at 10 or 11%. So you're actually minus. Yeah. 9% yeah. on holding cash. So investors are forced to put that money to work, yeah. are forced to put that money to work. And, you know, hard assets, property is a good way of doing that. And if there are sectors that are going through a bit of a restructuring, that means downsizing, reducing surplus, 
units or if there's a chain of pubs and they're going to consolidate around three or four and sell off a couple, that might be an opportunity to convert into, into, into flats or HMO or SA unit or something, something like that. And it's about keeping your eyes peeled, keeping in touch with whoever the sourcer is. You know, we've had mags on in the past who sources a lot for a bunch of people from both here and over, over, overseas for Stoke and Crew. And just getting ready to pounce. And in these periods, cash is king. But you don't want to hold too much cash for too long just because you're a little bit nervous <coughs> about what. So I think, yeah, so I think that's where the opportunities are. I think it's a little bit unsure at the moment. I've read a couple of articles in terms of pubs having a challenging time. Prior to that, the other shoe that fell were for builders. You know, builders were having a really tough time because they had quoted on previous jobs, put in at a fixed rate contract, but couldn't deliver at that rate because labour costs had gone up, materials had gone up, and it was just so unpredictable as to when they could finish the job. So they threw a tally. So a few months ago and more recently, a number of builders have just decided to call it a day. Now, there's no opportunity in terms of necessarily buildings that builders operate from, but it's just one of those threats just to be a little bit conscious of. And I have a colleague who they're in the midst of trying to finalise a conversion into, into flats. And they've had a torrid time builders. One has gone bust on them, either in the middle or just towards the end of the pandemic. And one just has to be a little bit cautious. And, you know, sort of being cautious with builders is my number one threat for investors. Anyway, what says going into a, a, a recession? So this is not the time to be sending 20 grand in advance or 50 grand in advance to builders and hoping for the best. That's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, so moving on from builders, we've also been having discussions about how we can diversify is probably too much of a strong word, but just put a bit of a mix together of different types of tenants in our houses to create a little bit of a spread. So we have a lot of hospital slash care home slash medical professionals in the houses. And every time I speak to our tenants who are working in the hospitals, they say, you know, there's not enough staff. And for some of our properties that are located close to the hospitals, we could probably sell the rooms three or four times over because there is so much demand in that sector. We then have our sort of general contractors right through to sort of our pickers and packers, through to our Bentley workers. So we do have a real mix. But we were also talking about social housing the other day. And we have both our properties and some of our landlord properties are leased to either directly to the council or through third-party providers. And that's something we'll explore just that little bit more. Not to say that the council or those third-party providers are necessarily better or better payers or more secure than other tenants. But I think it's about just having a little bit of a mix. So we're definitely going to look a little bit more at the social side of things. Was there anywhere else that we were thinking in terms of the spread? Yeah, I think I think the philosophy of not having all your eggs in one basket is just prudent. It's basic investment theory just to have a portfolio of mixed yeah. assets. So for us, that's Bytelets, that's HMO, that's some SA, and within that, there's some council, some professional stuff and some contractor stuff. So I think we made that decision. That's worked 
relatively well for us. I think the whole social housing, one, it's here to stay. I think the government is playing a little bit more money into that. I don't think there'll ever be enough. We've certainly been approached by a bunch of people from Stoke and crew. Not all of them we would do business with because some of them are brand new. But we now have built up quite a bit of experience in terms of assessing what deals are worth doing. And there's some longevity in doing business with the social housing providers. The return may not be as high as going to market, but when you combine that with the security with minimal maintenance, I think it's worth having that in your portfolio. And they, they, they rent both whole houses and also HMOs. Well, I was just about to say, for the numbers to work really in our experience, you want to lease the HMO to the company yeah. because they're paying, you know, give or take some market rents there, perhaps a, a slight deduction. And obviously the bills are deducted yeah. often. So there's a, a saving there when it comes to the energy side of things. Just leasing a terrace house to a social housing provider gives you some diversity but not unnecessarily a cash flow advantage particularly so there are only a few specialist sort of companies that want HMOs or understand how to manage HMOs for social housing so when we do speak with those companies generally we can see which of our landlords would like to go down that road and then package up the houses you know for the landlords we should we should try and get a couple of social housing providers on the podcast yeah and get them to give their two pennies worth in terms of what they do. I mean, I've just sat on one of the forums, the homeless forum, and as a result, connected with a whole bunch of different organisations. And those providers do an amazing job, an amazing job. I mean, I'm so pleased and humble the fact that we, we live in a country where you have people that can look after and provide facilities for the people that can't afford to. And I think there's some business to be done. I think they have become a lot more commercial than they were a number of years ago, a lot more understanding of the private rented sector. They themselves, while they probably hold a charitable status, some of them struggle to expand to be able to provide housing for, for some of their, 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 their clients, whether they're vulnerable or homeless or whichever category they are. So I think we should definitely get try and get okay. a couple on and just have a chat with them and share that sort of knowledge with our listeners, I think that will be probably quite useful. I think the other thing for us is, you know, going into, we went to service accommodation because it gave a different mix from a payment profile standpoint and also in terms of evictions and things of that nature. Tax differences was obviously another helpful bit as well. And I think, again, going into a changeable market i think having service accommodation as part of the portfolio where you're getting paid in advance and as long as the property is of a particular good standard i think that's going to be very very useful going forward yeah where people are going to not necessarily relocate to a particular area they might be there on a two-month contract and they're in and out and a lot of our nurse business that comes to work in crew is based on the fact that they're not going to be staying there for months they're staying there for a couple of weeks and then they're off there's a whole revolution happening in nursing and care which is bubbling below the service surface which i think benefits certainly us in stoke and crew i'm sure around the country but we're seeing that come through with new inquiries a different type of inquiry a different type of carer and nurse who is able to pay 
slightly higher rates for their stays in some of our properties. So that, that's, that's quite interesting. So I think for us, and if we're, we're landlords as well, so we're thinking like landlords, we love, would love for it to be very, very stable, but it never is, there always changes. So we try and keep ahead of the curve and ensure that, you know, properties looked after, people pay the rent consistently and on time, and we have a good mix of properties and tenants in our portfolio so that if anything does change or anything does go a bit peak-tongue, then we're able to weather that storm relatively comfortable. And the final thing is that we will fix as many mortgages as we can. I always like to have a mix of fix and tracker in the portfolio, as you know. But I think right now, I don't expect this storm that we're going into, which is recession, high interest rates, high energy prices. I don't think that's going to, the clouds are going to disappear for the next two or three years. So I think it's going to be possibly negative news for certainly a couple of years. I don't see if there's anything that the Bank of England or government can do to get rid of these dark clouds for a couple of years, for sure. But, you know, you never know. But where work on the basis is going to be a tough couple of three years and we want to be prepared for it, for the threat of that, but also possible opportunities. I mean, let's face it, there's going to be landlords out there who will say, you know what, I've been in this game for 40 years. I'm out. Yeah. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to Thailand. I'm going to wherever just to relax and drink tequilas or just to, just to chill out, spend time with loved ones, spend time with grandchildren. And that's always there, but there's certain things that might just trigger that. So there might be a bunch of portfolios that just come up for sale just because people had enough. And I think there's some change in legislation coming from the government. And that's going to be another trigger. I mean, the government, we talked about that on the previous podcast, I think they, for me, I think they dropped the ball when they changed the tax. And that was just a catalyst to drive rents up because there was less buy to houses. And I think whatever they have in store, I think that could capitulate into more landlords selling and again, reducing the stock of housing, which is not going to be compensated by the big boys, the built rent boys. I think there's going to be just less private rent is stuck on the market, which can only drive up rentals. Yeah. Which if you're an existing landlord, it's, you know, happy days. Yeah. One thing that is your enemy in one hand is definitely your friend in the other. Yeah. And as long as you know which is which. <laughs> no, absolutely. 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 So I think, I think we can probably wrap this up. I think we should definitely try and bring on some sporting housing providers and see how that could benefit the landlords and also how landlords you know, can contribute back to the Stoke and Crew in Newcastle local community. And that's always important. And we'll continue to obviously sort of feed back any changes in the market from a threat or opportunity standpoint to our listeners. We get calls every now and again where people bring us out of the blue and say, we've been listening to your podcast. And uh, should we be doing this, should we be doing that? Which we're totally happy with. And email us, go onto our Facebook page or just, you know, send us a text or something, we'll always respond. It means that there's someone out there listening. <laughs> we have actually got a few listeners at the moment, so I was uh, quite happy to see that the other day. But just to echo that, certainly get in touch. More than happy to have a discussion. Or if you're an existing landlord and you're not sure what your next move is, then you know more than happy to have a chat and just shoot the breeze and share our thoughts, both good and bad. We are, we're not selling anything really. We have a property that has been 
you know, put on the market to be flipped because we are selling it. But generally, we will just hold and hold and hold, protect as, our assets as much as possible, and then get ready to start buying. Well, like the queen, never sell. <laughs> never ever sell. All right, guys. So until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please hit subscribe and share with those who you think would enjoy it too. To get in touch with Paul and Amanda directly, please visit their website, www.essentialpropertyoptions.co.uk for more information. We look forward to sharing with you on the next episode.